been up to today? What have you been doing? Quite dramatic. Oh, okay. I've actually been saving lives. Have you, how many? How many did you save? <laughs> Multiple lives. I mean, thank God I was there. It was carnage. Uh, no, I was on. Uh, I was on my first aid course, and uh, yeah, I feel really good about. It. It's a really kind of like I don't know. Feel really good about yourself coming out of it. Feel really ready. And you're just kind of looking around going, what's going to happen? Is anyone going to fall over, scrape their knee? It's okay. I can deal with it. So if I, if I collapse during the pod, I have full faith that you, would, you could sort me out. You know what to do now. Yeah, for sure. I could help. Well, I mean, I can't fix you. I'm not medically trained in a six hour day. But I, in, I, am, I can be the first responder. And I, I will know what to do. Most of it involves dialing 999. It seems to be kind of one end of the spectrum. You either kind of, I don't know, stick a bandage on it, pour some water on it, stick a bandage on it, or the other end is called 999. So, you know, I could do either one of those two things and that could save your life. I'm doing the podcast with the perfect person. Did you just wake up and think, it's Tuesday, I fancy doing a first aid course? Or was this something that's been in the books for a while? Uh, It's not been in the books for a while, but with your coaching accreditation, you have to do first aid every three years to keep it updated. Because every time you go, there's something different, new rules, new guidelines, that sort of thing. So it was just, my accreditation's just up for renewal and I need to do needed to do my first aid and you have to do safeguarding as well it's just getting all your bits and bobs in place and the thing is is I've never really heard anyone complain about doing first aid because it's very very useful and you never know you may save a life so yeah I I learned a lot I enjoyed it it's amazing how much you forget in a few years though (laughs) I did a a paediatric first aid course when I was pregnant with the twins because I thought that would be a good idea to do that and I have to say it was the most terrifying few hours I have ever spent because they they almost scare you into everything that could go wrong because they have to give you the worst case scenario so you're sitting there and these were my first children thinking oh it's gonna be lovely and wonderful and by the end you're sort of shaking thinking I'm not sure about this anymore so I think I think I know I I would know what to do with a little person say a baby if they were choking on something but as they get bigger I might I might I might have to call on you because between us we cover the spectrum so I cover newborns up until sort of toddler age and and you sort of carry that on there you go basically you just do whatever you were supposed to do but bigger and harder that that's basically it <laughs> <They were> just... <laughs> It's just. <laughs> What's wrong with that? It's just, it's just bigger and harder. I think that's... just do it harder. <laughs> you know, if you're going to slap them on the back, slap them harder if they're bigger. Oh, I'm so glad you weren't taking that course. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had great fun. Oh, imagine if we were on it together. That would have been gone. No, we, we we would have needed to be separated. If um. So you know how to sort of look after tend to others. What about yourself? Did you ever make it to the doc? I mean, I know the answer to this. I mean, obviously knowing you. Did, did you did you ever make it? Did you even ever think about going to the doctors? Do you know what? There was a fleeting moment where I considered it. Right after you told me and you told me off in the last pod, I really did think, okay, maybe tomorrow I'll go. And then, no, 
No, I, did, I didn't go, but I've recovered. Miraculously, I didn't need a doctor. I'm a first aider. I've got it covered. It's fine. Well, slap a bandage or call 999. <laughs> I think you were somewhere in the middle of that. I don't, I don't think we were quite at the ambulance calling stage of you, and I don't think a plaster would have made much difference. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not really too sure. But I've been, um, I've been pretty busy otherwise as well. I mean, good news on the first aiding front. I think it's always confidence boosting to know that you're around somebody who could potentially help in a in a life-threatening situation don't you think i'm gonna feel very good when i'm around you knowing that if anything happens and they say does anyone here know first aid i'm just gonna unless it's a sort of obviously newborn toddler in which i'm the person i'm just gonna point at you and you're just gonna spring into action with your plaster and your mobile phone to be honest if anyone says does anyone know first aid i'll probably shake my head (laughs) if i'm there i'm gonna i'm gonna point at you i'm gonna i'm gonna push you harder and say it's just gonna be bigger and harder she's she's coming (laughs) (laughs) exactly you just gotta commit you know you're trying to save somebody's life also this week have you have you been following my my continuing conversations on twitter we got everybody talking last week a couple of reasons one we'll get to the heavy petting later (laughs) (laughs) for our grand finale but the itf changes got got a lot of people talking this week um lots of questions lots of conversation yeah it was it was it was really interesting i don't know what did you make of it it's it's funny i i for a brief moment suddenly thought i wasn't following you on twitter because i have missed all the conversations you've been having and i don't uh, you've been you haven't been paying attention i haven't i haven't apart from a a couple that you mentioned in a message that you had had and I suddenly and I do look at Twitter so every time I looked I must have completely so I did actually go on to check I was following you because I thought it's pretty poor form <laughs> if we're friends and do the podcast together <laughs> but no I am following you but I have missed your conversations about it but it was good that it got people talking because I think that was the point when we talked about talking about the ITF changes. It's something you wanted to have a discussion with people because there'd already been a lot out there, but you're coming at it from a slightly different angle as a player who, if you were still playing now, would have benefited or not from the changes. Yeah, and I was, I suppose I was trying to put out a more balanced point of view because I was getting a little bit frustrated with some of, uh, I don't know, some of the comments because it it was all just very, very one-sided and very emotional and everybody was getting very riled up. And I and I, I explained last time, and I should point out, actually, if you haven't heard uh, the first part of this conversation, just listen to last week's episode. Um, it's not very far in and we, we talk about it for about 10 minutes or so, um, but it just gives you an overview of kind of my initial thoughts. Then we can kind of go from there because I don't want to repeat everything for, for everybody else. But I was very kind of frustrated that there was so much emotion over it and no one was really looking at it in a balanced way and I feel like there is room for some balance it is a big change and it is very scary for a lot of people but there are a lot of good things as well and I felt like a lot of people were missing that and only focusing on the negatives and and look that's easy to do especially if you feel like it's affected you so I can understand that um and so we were having this conversation I was talking a lot with uh, a couple of people on well a few more than a a couple of people on Twitter and I was just trying to explain I suppose look I don't work for the ITF I don't know all of the ins and outs well I didn't and but just trying to explain like you know when what what we're kind of dealing with really and then interestingly I got a phone call from the ITF themselves that was quite 
That was nice. We, we've become that relevant, Gigi. <laughs> we, we're all over it in the tennis world. <laughs> but I did, I got a phone call from the director um, at the ITF and she wanted to chat and very much kind of appreciated that I was taking a more balanced view on things. I wasn't necessarily supporting them, but I wasn't also just negatively criticising them. There are some things that I really don't agree with that they're doing, but there's a lot that I do agree with. And, uh, and she just wanted to run me through what they've done and if I had any questions she'd answer them and that was really good it was kind of unexpected to be honest really good really useful were you able to be very honest with them and did they ask for your thoughts because you mentioned there look I, I don't agree with with everything that's being done but you said all along it's a case of time will tell when changes come in not everyone likes change but you have to see you have to give it a chance but were you able to sort of let them know the things that you thought were good but also the things that you didn't think would work and the reasons why yeah I think so I oh I, I definitely put my my views across there are a few areas that I really wanted them to look at I think what I need to clarify a couple of comments that I made particularly on Twitter I got quite a lot of questions about one is I said that the actually I said it on the pod as well last week that the group of players ranked between 150 and 400 they are the most disadvantaged and a lot of people said well why and can you explain that a bit further and absolutely I can because when you get to that level if you if you say about 200 uh, 150 is slightly different when I was playing it was 150 but now the prize money in Grand Slam qualifying has increased quite significantly so it's probably 200 to 400 where you're just outside of qualifying for the slams or maybe you are at the bottom end of qualifying for the slams that also counts the demand on your schedule and the expectation of you as a player is that you will operate like a full professional. You need to travel to Australia to get to the Australian Open. You need to go all over the world. You can't be localised. So to get to 400, you can just do it all in Europe. You can do it all in America. You can do it all in Asia pretty comfortably. But when you get to that level, you have to travel more. So your expense goes up. A lot less tournaments are back-to-back so of a, say, a $60,000 event, you don't often get three or four $60,000 events back to back in one place. In fact, you just never get that. A $100,000 event is normally a standalone event. So again, expenses go up in terms of flights, getting yourself around. Uh, whereas with the 15,000s, I mean, you've got one, you know, 30 times a year in Sharm El Sheikh. They, they're in groups and clusters and your expenses are a lot lower. So that is a, a, a big difference. So your expenses skyrocket once you get to about 400. On top of that, the differences between your level and the level above become very, very small. And the requirement for a coach becomes quite large. You really do need somebody to help you assess matches, to go through video footage or whatever it may be. I think anybody who's seen qualifying at Grand Slams sees that the difference between the qualifying and the main draw is not a lot. It comes down to big moments. It comes down to little bits and pieces and stuff that is really difficult to figure out yourself. So you really need to have a coach. You need to invest in that. So costs have just absolutely skyrocketed in in so many different ways. And as I mentioned before, this group of player has always had very low prize money. Of course, it goes down the lower you get, but you know you, you would not typically find somebody ranked 800 traveling with a coach. You also might need physio help. You, 
you might need to move your training base. You know, I, I'm, I can use a, a friend of mine, Harriet Dart. Uh, she's a British player, but she now trains in Istanbul because, or she has been training in Istanbul with her coach because that's where the right coach for her is. So it all mounts up really and so for that section of players and that is why I've always said that they are the group of players of which maybe I'm biased because I was in that group for pretty much most of my career and that's why I've always said that that group of players needs to be looked after better because once you go further than that and you're in Grand Slam qualifying or Grand Slam main draw you're looked after a lot better your expenses are much better not your expenses sorry your prize money is much better so that's kind of all sorted Uh, so I I had a good chat actually with um, the couple of people from the ITF about that um, and about protecting and supporting that group of players more which is basically what they've been trying to do with with all of these changes and when it comes to lower down I think they recognize that this has been difficult they know this has been hard for a lot of players. They anticipated that. The upset, the emotion that they can see around the place with all of the players. And that is, um, yeah, it's something that they're, they're looking to address. And then they know it's not perfect. I think, similar to me, they kind of have to see how it goes for a year and figure things out. So I know they're already looking at um, changing around qualifying a little bit. But, you know, there are so many elements to this that people are complaining about. And actually, if you put that to the ITF, they do have quite strong responses, quite good responses to them. So, for example, trying to support tournaments better so that they can invest in tournaments better, in their own tournaments better. They wanted to try and shorten the amount of days that tournaments would be on for. So that means playing two qualifying matches in one day. Now, because they want to try and play two qualifying matches in one day, they've brought in third set tie breaks. And that's purely from a welfare perspective, the welfare of the players. They don't want players to be playing full three set matches over and over. It might be hot, whatever it is. So that's just an example of something where players take that as, oh, qualifying doesn't matter because you're just sticking a third set tie break on the end. You don't really you don't want us to play full matches. You don't care. Whereas actually... It came completely from a place of care, uh, but maybe that just hasn't been communicated brilliantly. Are the ITF, are they open and willing to feedback? Do they want people to get in touch with with what they like and what they don't like? And I don't know, possibly some more changes will come from that if they hear from enough people saying, I don't know, this really isn't great or this is definitely the way forward. Well, they've received some petitions. So they are looking at them. They said they've received them. They're going through them. Uh, they will they will do what they can. They are open to feedback. They would like to answer questions and, and talk to people and, and really try and explain why they have done certain things. And there is also the difficulty that they can't catch everyone, that there will be some people who are negatively affected by this. And that may be accidental, but it is just that that is kind of par for the course. They are trying to mitigate it as much as they can. But look, I'm not... in agreement with everything that they've done. I don't, like I said last time, I don't necessarily believe that all of these changes are the right sort of changes to get to the goal that I agree with them on. Talked last time about them trying to stream the business and reduce the amount of players. And, And actually they said that isn't necessarily what they're trying to do. They're just trying to shift around the players. So they're trying to keep the juniors in juniors longer 
So rather than a, a good 15-year-old junior moving up and playing the senior tournaments because she can, keeping them saying, look, you're catered for in the under-18s. So, so stay in that zone. You still get great quality competition and it's still going to be really looked after and then move on when you're ready. So, for example, I mean, one of the arguments that a lot of the players have put out is there are lots of players that are top, top players that, that weren't very good juniors because at the moment the ITF would like to help and support and fast track juniors who are in the top 100 through their transition tour to the top 300, 400 of, of the WTA and ATP rankings. And people are coming out and they're saying Naomi Osaka had no junior ranking. They're correct. They might say that Muguruza was not ranked particularly highly. They might cite Marco Cecchinato, semi-finalist of Roland Garros. There are plenty of examples of top players that weren't good juniors. But that's because in the old landscape, you were able to do that. You were able to just go straight to the 15s. You were able to just say... I don't really want to play juniors. What's the point? Why don't I just go straight to seniors? So Naomi Osaka did that and so have other other players. But now they will have to. They'll, they'll have to play some of the juniors. They'll have to stay there. And it'll still be fine. You'll still get the same players coming through. It's just that they'll be playing juniors rather than than, than the older ones. So, Because what was happening is you were getting all of the juniors moving up early. This is what they were explaining to me. And it was becoming really difficult for people to push through the 200 to 400 rankings. So you were getting this massive squash of players that just weren't able to move anywhere. Uh, and they're just trying to separate that out. And that's what they talk about when they mean their, their kind of player pathway. But hey, I'm turning into some sort of spokesperson for the ITF, which is not what I'm trying to do at all. I, I, I still... Um, dubious about it but after my conversation I've gone from being open and thinking okay I feel like they're on the right track to now I'm actually cautiously optimistic so I feel like that's a step forward because they answered a lot of a lot of the questions that I had about good junior players someone who was a very good junior player she was ranked as high as number three was Daria Kasatkina spoke about her on last week's podcast about tricky start to the year she's had and she is the latest player to split with her coach now they've been together a long time Philip Dehis the Belgian and she used Instagram to explain the reasons and you just got the feeling this was a some sometimes you don't hear a lot or we've just parted ways but you get the feeling that it's something I don't know if there was ever a situation you're in like this that she didn't want to do it but she felt she had to do it for the good of her tennis and moving forward she even put that you know maybe in the future but it, it just felt from what she said that it was a really really difficult decision but it had to be made I know do, did we predict that? Can we claim this, that we, we predicted this happening? We didn't really, did we? I don't think we did at all. <laughs> oh, well, it was worth a try. I'm rubbish at predictions. I can't predict anything apart from the bake-off. That's it. Well, ex- exactly. So we were never going to... No, we, we were just talking, because we were talking about Yelena Ostapenko, about another player who's had a difficult start to the season in, in Kasatkina. But uh, as I say, some... Some splits, are well, it, it really depends on the reason. It just felt in this case that they get on so, so well. They have such a good bond and a relationship, but it's a hard decision. But she feels she has to make it if she's going to progress because there are so many people coming forward and going up and winning titles that she's she's got to act quickly. But uh, it does feel like 
it was a very tough decision. I mean, she's what, 21 years of age now? Imagine at 21 having the responsibility of sort of sacking somebody. It's quite a grown up thing to have to do. I wouldn't even like to do it at my age. It's pretty horrendous, I must say. Um, for Kazakina, it's a little bit different. She's got an agent that can kind of do most of the the hard graft with it. But I I first fired a coach at, at um, what was I, 18? <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> did you, what do you mean, of course did I you, did? <laughs> you know there's a scary side to you that I'm scared of. <laughs> and like strength and conditioning trainers as well. You know, I always wanted to be the person that, that did it. Oh, you did? Yeah. And how was that when you were 18? Oh, it was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Is it a bit like it can happen in relationships where the other person says, but why? And if we do this and we go on lots of dates and we switch off our phones and we just spend time for us, it's going to work. I know this is a dating situation, but (laughs) (laughs) do do, do they ever come back with, but if, I don't know, we train harder or we don't train as much or we don't see each other as much. I, I don't know. Do they come back with things to try and make you change your mind? Depends on them. Depends on the situation, I guess. I mean, I had one which was very much like that. It was really difficult. It was very much kind of, is there anything that we can do? That was hard because, you know, I'm speaking to people, guys that are, I mean, all of the coaches I worked with were were men and they were much older than me. I mean, I wasn't working with another 18-year-old. That would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Um, So my coach is 12 years old. If your coach was 12, you just wouldn't have been able to fire them. That would have just been cruel. That would have just been not nice. Yeah, so I had one which was really difficult because he was very much like is there anything I can do uh, and then the, the others were were one was fine completely professional very experienced and was said yep okay cool whatever uh not whatever <laughs> but you know what I mean that sort of vibe they were they were fine with it well they weren't fine but they're professional about it uh, and then I had another one which was fine at the time and it kind of got a little bit messy afterwards uh with a little bit of uh, he said she said but it's not it's not fun it's not fun and also especially if you're on tour you're probably going to see them around again I mean there are there are plenty of players and coaches knocking around on the WTA that are looking for coaches or have coaches or or no there are players looking for coaches and coaches that don't have players that's what I mean okay I, I think I got lost somewhere in that. you mentioned that um <laughs> Kasakina has an agent who could do that for you get the feeling in this case it was probably her because they do have such a close relationship together but I think like you I, I don't know whether I'd have had the guts to do it it sounds like a scary thing to do I would have wanted to do it myself because as you say tennis is such a small world you get your agent to say we no longer want to work with you that's fine say I'll go back to the dating thing if you're never going to see this person again in your life but the chances are you rock up to the next tournament and there they are and you have to have some sort of weird awkward conversation and it's fine and and off you go so I think it is better to do it yourself especially in the goldfish bowl that tennis is yeah but you wouldn't though well I just I might I might get you to do it (laughs) 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 I might say my friend Naomi's got something to say to you I just or I'd be I'd just stay with the same coach for sort of 35 years and there's like she never realized her potential (laughs) just but there are a lot of players like that I mean I'm not going to name any names but there are a lot of players that won't 
fire coaches because they're just too loyal or they feel too much of a connection and and they wait for probably about two years longer than they should. It often seems to be about that. And then it becomes a bit sour and a, you know, a bit nasty because people are very, very frustrated. Again, similar to relationships, I imagine. I I imagine. I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I imagine it. People who have relationships. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you are getting married this summer, aren't you? <laughs> is, that, is that still happening? Yeah, or is somebody that... I'm not in a relationship with. <laughs> I was going to say, have you just not told me a major piece of news there? <laughs> Oh dear. It's I, I think it's 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 a difficult I think it's a very difficult situation, but she has made that decision, so it's gonna be interesting to see how how that one pans out. Um one thing I was thinking about our podcast, I think it's having a detrimental effect on my baking. Because I think I used to be I think I used to be quite good at baking, or people would eat what I What have you baked now? Well, I made some banana muffins for a friend's birthday because his wife said he loves banana muffins, banana, any cake, bread, whatever. And I thought, oh, I've got some bananas that are slowly rotting. Um, so let's, let's, let's get them done. And I just, I think I was distracted by something. I'm not sure what, probably children. And they just were left in a little bit too long, something I've never done. And they were just a little bit too crispy on top. And I went ahead. I sort of, I gathered opinion and it was like, yep, take them, take them. A little bit embarrassed about taking them. And people ate them sort of politely saying, oh, I like the crunchy bit on top. <laughs> oh, it gives it a bit more text. You know, when people saying those things that you think, oh, they're just being nice. This is awful. And then I think the ultimate thing was at the end, and they're such lovely friends. But at the end, there was three left. And one of the twins, God love him, said, oh, I'd like one. So they said, oh, why didn't you take the remaining three back? And I thought, oh, I see. That's how you really feel about my banana muffins. You're sending them <laughs> home with me. <laughs> so, and it's, but it's, I can only trace it back to since we started the podcast. Because I'm sure before that, I, what, right. what I baked was okay. I, so I don't know what's happened, but it's the only excuse. Slightly harsh to be blaming this on me. What? But I, th <laughs> I reckon what's happened is that you did have this sort of feedback before but you just you just weren't aware of it and now that we've been talking baking you've been getting into the baking a bit more that now you're just kind of a, a bit more aware of it maybe people I don't I don't know I never returned with baked goods ah okay that is a, that is a tell when they send them back with you and they are happy to send that and as much as you protest saying no you keep them it's your birthday I made them for you it's your birthday cake effectively and they still come back with you at that point you think oh just a little bit too crispy I gave you the task of making Jaffa cakes very simple we've had listeners <laughs> that have achieved Jaffa cake perfection can I just say you came up with burnt round discs of nothingness <laughs> I don't. I feel like this is not my fault. <laughs> it was because the recipe was wrong, or it was right, or it was right, or you were wrong, or it wasn't my recipe. Well, you're saying Jamie Oliver was wrong. But when I said, "Oh, I put them in for this many minutes," you said, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that." I mean, how was I to know I shouldn't have done that when the recipe said I should have done that? Because when you bake things, you test it. You bake things. You have you check it. You go have a look again. Make sure you don't know. I think I was distracted. <laughs> That's just it's just going to be my excuse for everything. So I'm stepping away from baking for a while. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe you're tired because you have a big big weekend. Remember, you were telling me you went to Wembley. I was at Wembley for the League Cup final, 
working for Chelsea. And it, it, I mean, I was watching, I was trying to spot you. It's quite difficult. There's a lot of people in Wembley. <laughs> it's difficult to spot you. And you didn't wear your pink hat that I asked you to. Did I? No, I, I couldn't find it's you. terrible of me. Well, I was watching the game. We did a, a pre and post-match show pitch side, which was fantastic. As you look at the tunnel where the players come out, just to the right of that, it's a really nice position. Nearly got hit by the sprinklers pre-match. I just felt this sort of, I thought, wow, it's raining and the skies are blue. And suddenly this thing sort of came towards me. But during the match, watched <laughs> from from high up in the stands. And I won't bore everyone with the match because everyone's probably seen it or or read about it. And it was really disappointing from Chelsea. It actually played really well. Um, but the, the amusing thing was in our post-match show, I was doing the show with three former Chelsea players, Pat Nevin, who listens to our podcast, by the way. Yes. So, hello, Pat. Uh, Frank Sinclair and Jason Cundy. Now, people might know Jason from Football Days or he does a lot on Talk Sport, um, has a show in the evening. And recently, he, a few years back, suffered testicular cancer. And he has spoken a lot about that. But he was asked to go on, you know that programme, The Full Monty? Oh, yeah. I think they've done one before. I think this is the second one when they get a group of celebrities together. (laughs) I sounded very enthusiastic then, didn't I? Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. (laughs) Now this podcast's going in the right direction. Yes. Full Monty me up. (laughs) So, but everything comes off. They're not left with, with anything. And, and Jason really wants to be a part of it because it's raising money and awareness for a very good cause and a cause that's close to his heart. And there was a number of people. There were, I think, people from Love Island and soap operas. And, and so people from all kind of genres were were in it. Um, and, and it happened. So we were at Wembley on the Sunday. I think the event was on the Monday. I didn't go to the event. Uh, but everything came off and it was a huge success and very emotional. But in all the build-up, the training and the little dance routine, he damaged his knee <laughs> really badly to the point that when he came out to join us at Wembley, he was limping very, very badly. We'd heard about the knee, but we didn't think it was this bad. But we, and he literally was limping, limping, limping. And then by the time we got to our post-match show, it'd been a very long day, lots of standing up, cheering, sitting down, etc., etc. So we're just sort of doing the show and going through the game and a few talking points so the four of us are on camera he just walks off <laughs> he just walks off and sits down so my producer saying um in my ear where's jason gone anyone seen jason <laughs> and his knee was so i had to sort of do an injury report because his knee was so bad that he just oh, couldn't no. stand for longer than about a minute and i said to him you know is this is this is this old age is it lack of fitness? Is it is it no stretching? He said. He said it's all of the above. Uh, it, he was genuinely in horrible amounts of pain with it. He said, "Look, it was a very emotional. It was wonderful to do." So um, yeah, we sort of had a post match show where Jason kept appearing and disappearing, depending how long he could sort of stand up and sit down for. But it was no, it's 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 a, a pleasure and a privilege to be in that situation. Not not the full Monty one, but to be. <laughs> Um, <laughs> to be at Wembley to be pitch side League Cup final sadly as I said it wasn't the result for Chelsea but it was uh, yeah it was it was a good day although I made an error with the train I thought it would be the quick way but it wasn't and the queue the train you forget I'd sort of drive everywhere decided mm. to take the train thought it would make sense the queue to leave was was long yeah. really really long and it was just Manchester City fans because the Chelsea fans are gone so just lots and lots of Manchester City fans, obviously very happy 
And there's me thinking, I think I just want to go home. Be a long, long day. But no, it's great. Do you find that, so you do the, like, the Manchester City fans, just, none of them know who you are? I, it would, I'd probably be very weird. So you're just some annoying, some annoying, some annoying Chelsea well, woman. So why am I an annoying Chelsea <laughs> woman? I, I mean, the first thing to say is, <laughs> now your true feelings are coming out. <laughs> Firstly, it would be very weird, not out of, just a, but very weird if a Man City fans subscribe to Chelsea TV just to be a little bit odd unless there were Chelsea fans in the family and secondly I don't walk around in full kit with a with a with a Chelsea scarf on that's disappointing that what if they need a super sub I think that's sort of a different kind of channel I'm not there in my in my in my football kit so no I was it was myself and my director queuing for the train just in well stupidly well, not stupidly but I had um, a big winter coat on because it's February and last year I think it was probably snowing at this time so I get to Wembley my yeah. big winter coat it's 28 degrees pitch side 28 degrees and I can't take the coat off because the top underneath no sleeves it basically I had to wear the coat so for the first show I looked ridiculous 28 degrees thick woolen black coats um but I have to say by the post-match show and in the queue for the train very happy because it was absolutely freezing because I had to keep telling myself it is still February so it was no it was a great day it was a long day um but it was it was a really good experience and I have to say I was I sat next to my director on the train and I was asking I was asking him about heavy petting (laughs) because everybody (laughs) I've come across I've asked them if they've seen these signs and we've had a few coming through on our Twitter accounts with but the one thing I want to dispute here because one of the things first things you said to me before we started today was I win I win heavy petting at swimming pools there's no heavy it's just petting I don't know if you had a particular problem at your pool so they had to put the word heavy in front of the petting but it's just no petting which I, I look I still find it weird that you have to put no petting and it's it's a picture isn't it of a of a girl in a bikini and a man in his shorts kind of getting quite amorous isn't it and it says no petting. well that's one of them I think that, that there are multiple versions of it that seems to be the most famous one but I feel like I've won this I think most people I've spoken to have said yeah I know exactly what you're talking about I can tell you that Ben no idea never heard of it doesn't know what's going on because he came home from drinks at the weekend with some of his friends and he hadn't listened to the pod I mean, he's not the most dedicated of listeners, but he does listen. But he hadn't got around to it that time. And he went for drinks and he came home and he said, oh, everybody was talking about your your debate from tennis. And I thought, oh, really? Oh, the ITF discussion is reaching new <laughs> new corners of the world. You know, it's just my normal tennis brain. And I think I'd been constantly on Twitter that evening as well, talking to people about the ITF changes. So I was thinking... That's odd. None of them know anything about tennis. <laughs> and he said, he said, yeah, but for the record, I've never heard of heavy petting. And I thought, oh, but then, oh, but then everybody ben. else had. Everybody else at the drinks had heard of it. I think on a on a technicality, it's no petting. As I think there's no, I, don't, I haven't seen a sign yet that says no heavy petting, apart from obviously near your swimming pool. But I was on a packed train out of Wembley Stadium, and we'd had a really long day, and it'd been quite exhausting, and just sitting there. And I just turned to him and I said, Carl have you heard of heavy petting at a swimming pool? And he looked at me as if I was just crazy. 
So he hadn't either. So, and I think the people, people around us must have heard because I was getting a, a few odd looks, but I thought I've just, I was trying to survey as many people as possible, but it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It was, I'd say it was more the heavy petting than the idea of changes. <laughs> What do you call the thing that you point at the TV <laughs> and press buttons? I can't say what I call it because that's, that gives it all away. What do you call the thing you pick up and you point it at the TV to, ch- to, to, to do stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I just like the fact that not only have you asked it twice, but you've actually done the motion with your hand of, of picking it up and pointing and actually pressing a button as well, almost as if when you what you said wasn't enough for me to know what you were talking you, about. You look like you didn't know what I was talking about, so I thought I'd give you because some... it was just really funny. <laughs> what do you? Call it was it? just really funny. <laughs> This is going to be our next debate. I can't wait to hear what everybody calls it. What do you call it in English? This, this, well, no. Well, what what language did you think I was going to give it to you in? Oh, no, I was thinking about some of our international listeners. Oh. <laughs> now, can I just say before I give you the obvious name and the only name for this thing, we're not talking, you don't have a pet name for it, do you? Because cause at, this point, at this point, I've got to ask questions. <laughs> No, not a nickname. Okay. It's not not, not right. a nickname. Okay. But I grew up okay, thinking this is what everyone called it. And what? it turns out I'm wrong. Well, well, so it's not a debate if you know you're wrong. But okay, so it's, well, it's, it's a remote, isn't it? It's a TV remote. It's a remote. Yeah. Isn't it? See, I didn't know that. Why I was you? not aware that it was a remote or a remote control. I didn't I didn't know that that was a thing. Myself and my brother, we've had a conversation about this actually about a year ago. And we both realized around the same time that we were way off with what people call it. We've just always been quite I don't know, just descriptive, just keeping it super simple and it's for us it's always been called the channel changer. So can you pass can you pass me the channel changer? Where's the channel changer? Have you got the channel changer? So, I mean it changes channels. Now it does other stuff as well, but it does change channels. And I both of us around the same time I went to a friend's house and I said, Oh, where's your channel changer? And they just looked at me like what? What did you just call it? I was like, the channel changer. Anyway, and then I spoke to my brother and I said, do you call it a channel changer? He said, yeah, oh my God, nobody calls it a channel changer. It's just us. So I feel like I lived a very sheltered life. It's not very high tech or modern. So if you're you're out there with a group of young people and you said that, you would sound... But I bet, I just know that someone's going to get in touch on Twitter and have called it... I've never called it that. Not even... Not even my twins call it that. Not even my children call it a channel changer. And they're toddlers. Yeah. And they, they even say the word remote. So even at, at their tender age, they're calling it remote. <laughs> if you walk around and yeah. said, oh, can I have the channel changer? They'd just look at you as if you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, mis- mistakes were made early doors with this, that's for sure. And now I'm trying to, I've spent the last kind of year or so training myself to call it remote that's that's the and I'm getting there now I'm I'm getting there but sometimes I, I do have you know, you just have these odd things as I, say. I just say it and sometimes I get such funny looks and I think well look everyone knows what I mean 
Nothing else changes channels around here. It's almost, yeah, it's just something you'd feel like, I don't know who would say that, like maybe your your grandmother or someone, do you know what I mean, who who didn't really get technology and was from an era before <laughs> televisions and, and everything. I think they might say channel change. Whereas I'm four years old saying, can I have the channel change? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't expect it from you. But I thought you were going to give it some kind of weird pet name. So actually that's better than I thought that you were going to do but it'll be interesting to see a pet name I'm well a pet name like heavy petting my channel changer my word I just say at this point I do not think that channel changer is gonna set the social media world alight <laughs> as as heavy petting did um it's I not think, gonna go viral I I don't think there's gonna be anything viral about your channel changer but it, no, it'll be interesting to know you, you're definitely gonna get support on this there'll be other people that call it that but I also want to hear from people. I really don't think there will. I genuinely don't think there will be. I haven't heard of anyone who's called it a channel change. I, I bet we get a message saying my grandmother or my grandfather calls it that. I think you're, you're in a wrong age bracket. I think it's going to be an older age bracket that calls it that. Do you know what I'm really looking forward to as well? Is that my brother currently doesn't listen to tennis. <gasps> I know. I know. I don't worry. I'm working on it. He'll get there. He's fine. He'll he'll be he'll be one over. It, he'll get there. He's very busy, but his boss does. <laughs> his new boss <laughs> listens every week. Hello, Nick's boss, um, and she's now going to start talking to him about Channel Changer, and he won't know what's going on. I love that. That's reminded me of our to-do lists before we, because I've got to go and do bath time. So I have to leave you very shortly. But I think our so our to-do list is to get your brother on a podcast. He might not listen to it, but I think we've got to get your brother because I need to I need to ask him about you as a sister. <laughs> it's all gonna be pretty boring and positive. I was fantastic. Right. Okay, so looking forward to getting Nick on. Um I still haven't answered your wedding invitation. Um is there a cutoff oh, yeah. for that? Well Sorry. yes. <laughs> Is yes. it, apart from the wedding itself is there do I have a date to reply to that by yes I've started chasing people already so now please have you okay so I'm gonna okay so I'm gonna get on to that and we would love um more questions for Naomi on any bits and pieces um a little bit on the ITF we're actually asking a lot of people who listen um what pet names remote controls not pet remote names control. I don't no one has a pet name <laughs> for remote control that's ludicrous. Channel changer could be called a pet name. It's not a pet name. It's describing the function of the item, which I feel is fair enough. I don't know. Is there anything else you do that with? I, there must be. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's quite a lot, actually, that I could, I could think of. But that's the one that... It was just hilarious because both me and my brother had a, the realisation around the same time. And it was quite late on in life that no one else does this. I might try it out in the house tonight and see what reaction I get, apart from a few strange looks. And I'll let you know how it goes. So we've got a few list of... You'll have to report. A list of things to do. But I've got to go and do bath time, which is crazy, messy, and get very wet. So wish me luck. Yeah. <laughs> wish me luck with that. Keep the um, channel changer away I'm from the I'm going to keep bath. the channel changer. It doesn't time. normally go near the bathroom. <laughs> I'm not even sure when we're next working together, but we will be doing another podcast next week. Yes. Can't wait. Say it like you mean it next time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I really can't wait. Bye.